This segment is brought to you by Matt Bates for Movement Mortgage, NMLS number 844154. Movement Mortgage supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179, nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You're locked into the Despirito Team Real Estate Show with host and top realtor Emilio Despirito on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. We're talking with industry leaders about real estate trends, money making tips, and advice on buying and selling the American dream. Now, here's Emilio Despirito. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for joining us. I'm Emilio Despirito, and this is your show all about real estate. We're here with you every single week. We love real estate. We love talking about it. And on the line with us, we've got none other than Matt Bates of Movement Mortgage. Now, Matt Bates, one of the top producing loan officers in the region. The guy is full of knowledge. Great guy. Uh, www.rimortgageguy.com. Check that website out. You can get pre-approved. You can go ahead and refinance or you can ask him and connect with him. Any questions that you need uh, through that website. Again, rimortgageguy.com. Matt, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me again. I hope everybody had an awesome uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, that was the I was the last time I was on was before Thanksgiving. So uh, yeah. you know, I want to let everybody know that's out there that listens and follows us that uh, we, we wish you a happy happy holidays coming up into into Christmas. It's going to be right around the corner. Happy Hanukkah, happy Merry Christmas, all sorts of good stuff going on. So um, Matt, we run into situations oftentimes where people have to to sell a home and buy a home congruently. Okay. So same day they're closing on both homes. There's a lot of hiccups that can happen in the equation. Right. And I know this is something that we see on a regular basis. Can you share any tips, insights, thoughts about that? Uh, yeah. So, so same day closings are really uh, a really uh, regular thing that we deal with. And, um, you know, coming from a buyer's perspective, it can seem like, uh, a lot and and almost impossible, um, but every single month we're doing them multiple times, and um, you know, handled with the right uh, with, with the right experience level, it really can can go very seamlessly. Um, but some people need to be able to close on the sale of their house so they can utilize the funds that they're going to receive in their net proceed amount to be able to purchase and execute the funding on their next mortgage. So you can do it a couple of different ways. You can do it the same day where you go from one closing to the next and the mover truck and your all your belongings are in route while you're signing documents and then boom, you're, you're moved in. Um, or you can, you can space them out, stagger them. So you close on one and then you figure out short-term housing and then close on the next one a couple of days later to make it a little bit more comfortable. That's more of an experience, uh, an expensive uh, way to handle it because sometimes you have to, you know, incur hotel fees or, you know, room and board somewhere. Um, if you're lucky enough to have a family member, a place to stay for a day that, that helps. I personally, from my perspective, think it's money well spent or at least have a, a, a plan B in place. So that way, if something gets jammed up on one closing or the other, you're not left without having a place to sleep that night. So if you do are selling a house to be able to execute the purchase of another house, make sure you have plan A and plan B and even a plan C if, if, if things don't work out because not in a perfect world, 
they go off seamlessly. Not, we're not in a perfect world. And sometimes things come up and they, it was un, un, unforeseen, unpredicted. Uh, and it, it, it'll cause the situation to be much more stressful if it's not thought out ahead of time. So, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's, it's it, like I said, it can be very smooth if it's thought out and planned out ahead of time. And if you're working with a team that's not helping you do that, it's uh, time to find you know <laughs> new new people to help out so that way you guys, you know, everybody goes goes uh, goes through the transaction stress free. What and and that can be a super stressful time. I mean, selling and buying at the same time, uh, never you know. So you're in between houses pretty much. You're packed up. You're living out of boxes. You know, um, it it can it can be overwhelming. But you know, like you said, when you're when you're working with people who do this all the time, we're going to walk you through that process. Make sure it goes off without a hitch. But there is sometimes where there are hitches, right? Let's talk about those, right? Let's talk about some situations, some nightmares that we've been in, involved with. And uh, I can tell you, I can tell you, one of them would be when sellers decide, "Hey, you know what? You know, we're just not going to close on the closing day that we had planned." Right? We've seen this. We've seen this lately, and it happens. And we have buyers that are like, oh, my God, we've closed on our home. We need to uh, get into our next house. More people, we bring the legal team in. We bring everyone in. It can be kind of a nightmare. So- yeah. Well, the, the thing that, that, that is a hard reality to face is, you know, it's, it can feel like someone's attacking you or doing something like illegal to you. And. Um, and, and putting you in a position where you're not, you don't have a home to go to at the end of the day because you just sold one and you can't close on the next one. Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, it's not like you can pick these people up out of their house, move all their stuff out, force them to sign the paperwork, and then if they don't do it, we put them in jail or time out or something. So the 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 result of of having to deal with a situation like that is that you can't punish these people. If you can't, if they don't have any money to pay you to make it right, then you can't grab money, blood from the stone. You can't, you can't make them pay if they don't have funds or not willing to pay funds. The, the only thing you can really focus on is, you know, the action of a lawsuit, which is a long dragged out process. And it still doesn't solve the issue of ha- not having housing to figure out. So the goal is, you know, that's why you, ahead of time, it's like if this, clo- if this closings don't go off, as planned for one reason or another, we have to figure out where we're going to go. So we're not, you know, homeless, you know, there's a safe place for us uh, people to live in and, you know, sellers can do that. And the, the, the threat immediate word that comes to sentence that comes to mind when someone's doing this to you is I'm going to sue you. And, and it, it happens and it can happen. But you can yeah, it still, doesn't, it still doesn't solve the problem, which is they're in your house that you're supposed to be buying and they're not yeah. leaving. Like, you know, how do we, you know, that there's that issue. And then there's where are you going to stay tonight issue? So, um, you know, a lot of times with the proper legal team and the, pro- the proper communication, the, the threat of a lawsuit usually motivates people because they, you know, if you're under a contract, that is a legal document to, yeah. you know, sellers are contractually obligated to sell their house to buyers and buyers are contractually obligated to sell their house to, uh, to buy the house from the sellers. 
it is a binding contract. So it has to be followed. It's just, you know, how do we make it as least stressful as possible when emergencies happen? You know? So Matt, so, so in the past, what I've seen is I've seen uh, buyers go back to the sellers and say, Hey, listen, you're costing us a lot of money for these performance periods. We're going to need you to cover the cost of our temporary housing. We're going to need you to cover the cost of our legal fees. We're going to need you to cover the cost of all these associated damages. So what happens is, is sellers, they start looking at these numbers and they're like, oh my God, you know, and they realize, look, they're wrong. If if they're breaking that contract and they're breaching that contract, I think it's irresponsible. I think it's completely, um, it's just, uh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? It's negligent. It's uh, unrespons- irresponsible. It's uh, a lack of uh, integrity. Um, you know, yeah, we can we go on and on about, and those are all respective words to say in, when you're uh, criticizing somebody's behavior and decisions. But a lot of oftentimes they use other adjectives <laughs> to describe yeah. people that that do that, and you know, it's really unfortunate. And um, it doesn't. It, this process of buying homes. And, and moving into a new home, uh, whatever the price or size or location is, it, it should be a very rewarding and happy experience because it's starting fresh in a new place that you, you a place you're supposed to feel safe in and, and, and be proud of. So, you know, right off the bat, if they're already messing with that, it's, uh, it's, it's not why we do this, but things do happen. And it's important for everybody involved to understand the course of action, the plan of action, plan A, plan B, plan C, and properly think out because same day closings, although very possible and regularly happen, are complicated things. And it just takes one thing to go slightly off before it doesn't happen the way that we plan on it. So you know, um, just make sure you're reviewing those options with your real estate teams and, uh, and it'll make it for a much better, more comfortable process. Yeah. I mean, needless to say, this is, this is something that every situation is completely different. And, you know, and, and as we're over here talking about sellers who breach contracts, Matt, sometimes there's reason, sometimes there's health situations, sometimes there's, uh, but most of the time it's just in consideration. Uh, it, it really is. I like to call it how I see it, but um hey you know wishing everybody the best through stressful times especially around the holidays it gets even more stressful very stressful it's cold outside you know there's a lot going on yeah gifts to buy you know all this stuff good stuff and uh listen if you have any questions for matt bates with movement mortgage you can reach out to him at rimortgageguy.com again ri mortgageguy.com or the rimortgageguy.com. Matt, I think you own both of those domains, right? Yeah. <laughs> Matt and his team, by the way, um, top-notch mortgage professionals. They've got a slew of products, you know, for mortgages and refinance. They're licensed in Connecticut, Florida, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. This is Matt's immediate team. I believe Movement Mortgage is, is I believe, all across the country. But however, Matt, I can't recommend enough works with me personally with my clients so again the rimortgageguy.com thanks so much matt for being here with us today you got it i'm glad to be here looking forward to next week 
Awesome. You bet, man. Hey, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with John LaPointe of LaPointe Insurance. We'll be back in two minutes here on the Desperado Team Real Estate Show, powered by Movement Mortgage. Stay tuned. Movement Mortgage. Stay tuned. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm Emilio Despirito, and this is the Despirito Team Real Estate Show powered by the LaPointe Insurance Agency. We've got on the line with us John LaPointe. He's one of, actually, he is my favorite insurance guy. I'm not just saying it because he's here. but it's true. John's a great guy all around, easy going, easy to talk with, really looks out for his clients, super knowledgeable as well too. So John, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me as always, Emilio. You know, I want to tell our, our listeners, I pulled some statistics last year on MLS and I looked and I saw how many homes have sold and this and that. And then I asked John, I simply said, how many uh, policies have you written? And he told me, and we found out that LaPointe Insurance is in charge of nearly 20, was it 20% of the entire market of sales insured in Rhode Island? Yeah, for exactly. So for, for new home purchases, um, and that's, you know, people buying a property that's one to four units uh, properties in Rhode Island, uh, of those home sales, those transactions, we're insuring over 20% of the buyers, um, which is pretty crazy when you when you think about it that way one out of every five great man that's good and and that leads us into our topic for today and it's what is a home insurance binder and why do i need one as simple as it may be you know sometimes people are like do i even need to insure stuff what's the likelihood of a <laughs> yeah it's true and uh, i like bringing up you know the question of what is a binder because I think it's a term that is, it's, it's insurance jargon. It's also something that a mortgage lender or realtor might just throw around and say, you need an insurance binder. And I think what immediately comes to mind for people is like one of those three ring binders that you used to have to bring to high school, you know, and keep all your papers in. But uh, a binder is not actually uh, that at all. A binder is actually one piece of paper. It's not a whole booklet of several. It's just one piece of paper. And what a binder really is, is a temporary insurance contract between uh, an insurance company and you. And so what, what that piece of paper is doing is it's telling whoever needs to know, whether it's the bank or the people you're buying the home from or the attorney that's handling your closing, it's, it's a proof of an insurance policy that you have obtained from a company. So a binder is just proof that you've bound insurance coverage with a company for that house that you're buying or for a car. Uh, you know, you can get binders. You, you hear it at the car dealership. Oh, I need your company to send me a binder before you can drive off the lot. Same thing goes for a house. You know, if you're getting a mortgage on a property, the mortgage company is going to say, well, we're not going to give you the money to buy this house until you can prove to us that it's been insured. So a binder, that's most simple is a temporary insurance contract. It's proof that you got insurance on the house. And I say temporary because a binder is usually issued prior to you actually closing on the house. And so after you actually close on the house, the insurance company is going to 
process all the paperwork and send you the full policy of 150 pages or whatever it is and all of the documents that come with it. But a binder is a much more simple, easy way for us as an insurance agent to send a one-page document proof of insurance to whoever needs to see it. It's awesome and well explained. And it's funny, every time I hear binder, I do think about those three ring, huge (laughs) and that it, it binds the uh, the insurance and that, that makes a ton of sense as a contract. What, yep. what happens, I'm, I'm sorry, John, what happens if like, let's just say if somebody, um, you know, closes on a home and they forget to cancel their insurance and then a week later goes by, and, you know, let's just say if they weren't getting the automated payments out of their insurance policy, a week later goes by can they contact the insurance company and get reimbursed for that week that they did not own the home? Yeah, they can. So um, this would be like on the seller side, right? So so you're working with somebody just to help them list and sell their home. That's what you're saying. And they still had insurance on it. They just forgot to cancel. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, it's super common. Honestly, that's not the first thing people think of. I think when they're selling their houses, Oh, I mean, you know, think to cancel my insurance, but um, it, Typically, it, the call does come after and sometimes as much as like six months after or even a year when the policy is about to renew next year, they get something in the mail and they're like, oh, my God, I don't even own this house anymore. But you can backdate the cancellation. You can cancel it back to the date you sold the house and the insurance company is going to allow you to do that. Sometimes if there's a lot of time that's passed in between when you uh, sold the house and when you're going to cancel the policy, the insurance yep. company may ask for a uh, copy of the uh, quick claim deed, you know, or something, you know, some, some proof showing that you actually did sell the house when you're saying you did. But um, with, with that, they'll go ahead and, and backdate the cancellation uh, as, as far as it needs to. And you'll get reimbursed for any monies that were paid on insurance that you didn't actually need during that time. Makes a ton of sense. Good. You never know who could be listening, who that could help. It's just a good Definitely. thing in your back pocket. One of, one of the things I, I got to comment on this, because not too long ago, I got a call from Mr. LaPointe here, who's on here with me right now. And he said, Emilio, he's like, You're, you, we're trying to get a hold of you to pay your policy. It's about to get canceled. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I switched addresses, all that stuff. And these guys are so on top of the ball. Like to me, to, to have the, the gentleman who's managing the whole sales team, give me a call and care enough to call and tell me that before it got canceled was like just total reassurance, not reinsurance, reassurance. <laughs> no, right people. So I, I appreciate that level of service, John. Uh, absolutely. You know, if um, I, I think there, if to the extent that we can be proactive and avoid those situations, you know, it's, it's just, it's best. That's what we're here for. You know, um, our, our job is to not only get somebody insurance, but, you know, to kind of keep an eye on it and make sure that the insurance is, is still in good shape. Um, and that could be any number of things too, you know, and we, we try and periodically check in with clients and, you know, it's again, insurance is something that uh, most people try to avoid, I think at all costs <laughs> thinking about insurance um, unless, you know, and, and that time comes, you know, when you actually need to, to think about your insurance, but on a regular daily basis, 
you know, I'm thinking about it all the time because it's my job, but the average person doesn't. And so, you know, if we can every now and then check in and make sure that everything we have is current and up to date, that's, that's really our job. And um, it could be any, any number of things. Sometimes, you know, somebody buys a house, maybe they bought a house with your team, Emilio, and, and it's a two family home on the East side of Providence. And they're living in that house and renting out the other unit. And then, you know, a year or two later, they decide they're going to move out of that house and um, move in with their their new wife or something or uh, keep that house, though, and rent out the other unit. Well, you know, the average person doesn't realize that you need a different type of policy for a home that's occupied yeah. versus not occupied. Now, you know, in the event that you forgot and then something happened, the insurance company's still going to help you out with that claim because they realize it's, you know, not something that an average person knows is that the different types of policies. Uh, that being said, it's you know really important to when you do realize it, change your policy to have the right type of coverage. And those are the kinds of things we pick up on in those conversations. You know, it's like, oh well, um, your policy's coming up for renewal. You need to change anything. Oh yeah, I need to update my mailing address. Oh, you don't live there anymore. Well, we need to change your policy. You know, so um, yeah, about trying to stay proactive. <laughs> No, hey, man, you're not the only one. That's, oh, no, yeah, it's happened. yeah, but that happens to everybody, man, you know, and even you, you know, the types of policies, but you're a busy guy. And, you know, those are the kinds of things that you, you uh, that's, that's why you employ us to help keep an eye on it for you. you know? That's it, man. That's totally it. Yeah, I've got a, a quick question for you before we let you go, John. And like, let's say that somebody, because it's a really great topic, right? Um, and I never had thought to ask you this before. Let's say somebody owns a, a two-unit owner lock, okay? They're living in there. They're living on the first floor, the side unit, whatever, right? Left side, whatever. They decide to move out and they move into a new owner-occupied home. Now, can their insurance coverage lap because of, I don't want to say like purposeful falsified information, but because the situation has changed and if they don't update the insurance company, could you refuse a claim? Yeah. So they, the insurance company, you know, on the application that you sign for an insurance policy, you sign that application at the time you're signing up for the policy. And so at the time you sign up for the policies, you know, there's, there's a question about occupancy and if you're living there, you know, if you answered it truthfully at that time, and then a couple of years pass and sometime in the interim, your situation changed and you forgot to notify the insurance company, they're, they're going to have a hard time, um, you know, calling you out on a, a claim there and, and not paying it. They'd have to prove that you did material misrepresentation, you know, that, that you will willfully lied on the application and, and that you, you, you know, so the situations where those claims get denied are the ones where it's uh you know, and you do see this sometimes with, with people who are, are buying a home as an owner occupied residence and they're getting a loan program that maybe qualifies them for it or something like that, or they are just declaring it as their primary residence for any number of reasons that could be like a tax advantage or something like that. And, and then, but they're not actually living there. Their intention all along was to just rent it out and, um, you know, collect the rent on it, which is sketchy stuff to get into. It's, it's, it's fraud for, for real. But in those cases, that's when an insurance company would deny a claim, you know, that that's because they, they willfully lied on the application up front. 
on the other situation where, you know, somebody just bought this house and they were living in there, that was all truthful. And then a year later they moved out and they just, it didn't occur to them to tell the insurance company that that was their change in situation. I've never really seen an insurance company really give them a hard time on, on that because they, they just didn't really know any better. And, um, there's not, there's not exactly an exclusion, you know, unless you're with a company that has some sort of exclusion or some, some line written into their contract about, you know, if this is no longer occupied by you, that we could void coverage or, you know, but for the most part, uh, homeowner's policy does, does not have those, that sort of language in there. You have any questions at all in regards insurance or you want to just check where you're at with things and, and, and give LaPointe insurance a try, I highly recommend them. Massachusetts, Rhode Island, also now, what, New Hampshire, Maine. And Connecticut. Yeah, and Maine and Vermont are going to be soon. It's fantastic what you guys And by the way, you guys crushed it. One of my clients, oh my God, they bought a, uh, they bought a beautiful home. We got a call from our clients and they said, thank you very much for connecting us with John. Like, thank you so much, John. Great work. Check out LaPointeins.com and you can go ahead and contact John himself or anybody at the company. Again, LaPointeins.com. Good stuff, John. Thanks for being here and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Emilio. You too. You're welcome. And stay tuned. We're going to be right back here on the Desperado Team Real Estate Show powered by the LaPointe Insurance Agency. Be right back. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Emilio Despirito, and we're talking about one of my favorite topics. It's one of the sometimes toughest parts of the transaction, but not when you have the right team behind you, and that is home inspections. And uh, we have on None other than very well qualified Mike Auger with Patriot Home Inspections. They cover radon, they cover structural, mechanical, pest inspections, along with several others. And uh, you can go ahead and reach out and get some more information about them or contact them directly at homeinspectorri.com. Again, homeinspectorri.com. Mike, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. So, Topic today, big deal items, what are they? Good question, Mike. What do you think they are? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the short answer, and we'll, we'll delve into this a little bit uh, over the segment, is it is a little different for everybody, but we get asked this all the time. Can you just tell me what items are a big deal? Yep. Uh, I can't. Um, can, you, can you tell me what are big deal items that you find? And, again, it's a little different for each person. But what I would say is items that are a big deal – are items, I think, that are going to perhaps get in the way of the transaction or be something that has to be overcome. I mean, to a degree, any item's a big deal if you have enough of them. You know, if you have items that cost $5 to fix, but there's 5,000 of them, I guess altogether that's a big deal because now you have $25,000 worth of $5 items. So, um, so it's not when, when people ask you what you know what are the big deal items or what's what's a big deal during the home inspection it, it's a little different for everybody so let's let's back it up a little bit and we'll say first off for you to buy the house you have to get insurance and you have to get a loan probably unless you're paying cash which is a whole other thing so I would say the beginning of what's a big deal is 
other items that are going to stop you from getting house insurance or stop you from borrowing the money to continue to get your mortgage on the house. Those items could include a failing or excessively aged roof, a heating system that doesn't work, uh, uh, wood-destroying insects, especially if you're doing a VA loan. Um, so these kind of things are going to get in the way of the lender or the insurance binder. So those items are a big deal, even if they're not expensive in the grand scheme of things, it will stop you from buying the house. So there's that. So that's the first category of what I consider big deal items. Yeah. The next group of big deal items are items that make it not safe for you or your family to occupy the house. Now, these are not necessarily expensive items, so this is where it gets a little bit murky. For example, let's just say that the uh, exhaust for the heating system is disconnected. That's a big deal from one standpoint because you're going to put exhaust in the house and you could literally poison the family. So it's a big deal there. However, it might be the simplest of fix, uh, uh, fixes and your AC guy could probably fix it in five minutes in, in some cases. So financially, it's not a big deal. Um, it's so, so it's not a money item that's going to be a big deal to where somebody can't afford to maintain their house. But it is a big deal that you, you kind of have to fix it before you start living there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are going to be different for each person. You might have somebody that has the means to take care of some of those financially less burdening items, but they're still urgent. So those items are a big deal in a manner of speaking because they're, they're dangerous, but they're not a big deal uh, in terms of money. So generally, they're not going to railroad your, your purchase of your house because at some point, money-wise, it's not going to be something that you're not going to be able to negotiate, even in this market. The next group of items... I would say that I consider a big deal are items that you didn't know about that are really expensive. So let's just say there's, um, there's mold in the attic. It's certainly remediable, but now you're, you're looking at items or like asbestos or if the roof is failing and leaking, um, you may still be able to buy the house. You may still be able to get insurance depending on it, but these are things that you have to take care of or they're going to make the house worse or they're going to make, their living conditions bad for your family, but they're also expensive. Mm-hmm. These are the items that, to me, are usually the biggest deal because, you know, just because you can afford the mortgage, if you don't have extra money to fix some of these larger expense items, those become a big deal. And, you know, those typically, I, I see, from my angle anyway, tend to derail the, the purchase because somebody's like, hey, I'm buying this house. I'm paying top dollar. I don't have the money to spend Seven thousand, eight thousand, twenty-eight thousand, whatever it costs on some of these bigger ticket items, mm-hmm. and those tend to be items that are the biggest deal because they do pose a risk to the house potentially, but they're also quite expensive. So, what I would say when people ask me, Mike, what are the big deal items? I would start with the items that make it to where you literally cannot buy the house. Then I would probably look at the ones that are expensive to where you don't have the means to fix them, and then you know, overall the the, the condition of the house, if you have a million little things, I mean, it adds up. So you have to you have to pay attention to that. But for the most part, those are not the big deal items. Yeah, that was a very well chopped up. What, what were you going to say, Mike? Yeah. Um, the, the, the difficulty is when, when people ask me what's well, a big deal, you know, it's not like I'm going to write in the home inspection report, hey, this item's a big deal. This might stop you from buying the house. Part of this is, I mean, I mean you, you just can't write it like that because every, every customer is different. So the most important thing is when you're choosing your home inspector or when you're 
you're meeting with your home inspector, if you're a potential buyer or you're an agent, let, let's say you're a new, uh, a new agent and you've never met me before or whatever home inspector out there that you're using, you got to build a relationship. You got to talk to the person. You got to understand when you, when you meet your customer, you know, um, you got to understand where they're coming from. You have to understand maybe even what their job is. For example, maybe this dude's an electrician. So even though this rusted out panel is a fire hazard, to this guy, it turns out it's not a big deal because he can bang that thing out Saturday afternoon because he knows how to do it. So knowing your customer and knowing where they're coming from and, and, and keeping that relationship and that information that you have about them in mind can kind of help you customize, frankly, what really is a big deal. Absolutely. Right on. Solid. I mean, when you're going through these homes, Mike, I mean, you... And I mean, you're, you're hitting what, like 1900 points, 1600, 1900 inspection points at home. It's, it's something crazy. So these, yeah, I mean, yep, go ahead. yeah, I mean, it's, there, there's, there's, yeah, you're right. There's literally thousands of things to look at in every, in, in, in every single home and everybody has a different point of view on them. Uh, sometimes people have, other helpers there at the inspection. And I don't mean other professionals. I mean, other family members. And to them, it's more of a big deal because my baby girl is going to live in this house. I understand. I have daughters. I get it. But um, everything is not a federal case either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's good. And, that, and that's the other thing too, that I appreciate about, about working with you is that there's different types of inspectors out there and you ask different realtors and there's some inspectors that realtors run away from because instead of taking the time to explain things to people, they turn into what we call an alarmist. And look, if there's a situation that cannot be remedied, okay, or will not be remedied, we're going to take our clients out of that situation and find them another home. But that does not happen often. And normally we can negotiate and make things happen. And we use the inspection report as leverage. But when somebody hires a home inspector that either number one, doesn't know what they're doing, or number two, makes the smallest things that can be remedied the biggest deals, uh, there can be some problems. So I always appreciated how you handled that. Our clients love working with yeah. you as well. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be it's got to be framed properly. You know, if you see a settlement crack in a sheetrock somewhere and a house built in 1979 that maybe has never been painted that doesn't mean that the structure of the house is compromised and the house is going to fall in on itself. I mean, every single item is not the worst possible scenario. Certainly you have to frame it right, you know, and you have to tell people this is broken. And then you also have to tell them why it's broken and what happens if you don't fix it? Because that all goes together. You know, you could say, all right, yeah, your bathroom vent fan doesn't go outside. Okay. Why is that a big deal? It goes in the attic. I don't care. I'm not, it's, it's not going to steam up the mirrors in the attic. Maybe people don't know that could make mold. Oh, well, mold, we don't really want that. And then you got to follow it up with, it only costs like 500 bucks to pay somebody to do that. So yeah. you can't just, you, you gotta, you gotta give them all of the pieces of the puzzle. So that way they know, is it expensive? Is it dangerous? What happens if I don't fix it? Because realistically, you and I both know this when somebody buys a house, almost nobody goes through and fixes everything I wrote up in the report. Like that's, that's, that's a, almost never. So you got to know right, if I leave this, what happens? Yeah. Yeah. What happens yeah. if I leave a broken window lock? I can't lock the window. I don't care. It's on the third floor. It's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah, so, exactly. You know, what happens if I don't if I don't fix the whole room? Oh, that's gonna leak and that's gonna ruin my ceiling and rot the house. Oh, you know what? Big it's deal. A big deal. So you gotta you need all the information, you know? Absolutely. Good stuff. If you would like a, a, a very in-depth, comprehend, comprehensive, detailed report on your home, even if you're living there and not looking to sell it, it's a good thing to do every now and then too. I know we spoke about that before. Or if you're looking to purchase a home or sell a home, either way, you should be getting your home inspected, disclose things properly, and or negotiate the right repairs when buying. Give Mike Auger a shout, feel free to go to homeinspectorri.com. Again, homeinspectorri.com. This is Mike Auger with Patriot Home Inspections. Mike, thanks for being here. Appreciate you. Hey, thanks a lot. Have a good one. You're welcome. You too. Awesome segment. Thanks again, Mike. Uh, Hey, stay tuned. We're going to be right back here on the Desperado Team Real Estate Show powered by Patriot Home Inspections. Now back to the Despirito Team Real Estate Show on News Radio 920 and 1047 FM. Also available as a podcast on iHeartRadio. So you can see oh, what's going on. What's going on? What's going on? All right. It's one of my favorite times of the show because we get to hear what's going on in Rhode Island with none other than Jennifer Jaber of riblogger.com. And I want you to check that website out. Great place to find all the latest and best places to go, the events, nicest places to dine, some maybe hole-in-the-wall spots you never thought of. Rhode Island is filled with some fantastic places in our very tiny state. Jennifer, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, pleasure. So we got our, our top five uh, coming up, and I'm sure there's some some holiday stuff, some Christmas stuff going on in here. What do you got? Yes, I'm really excited because um, there's some winter fun, some holidays, some Christmas. Um, first of all, Gurney's has opened in Newport for ice skating, which is one of my favorite things to do in the winter is go ice skating. Um, they're open weekdays from 2 to 9 and Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's nice because you can skate out by the ocean. Um, and they usually have, you know, the bar and stuff open right there, too. So it's a great, you know, date or grab your friends, grab the family and head over to Gurney's for some Newport ice skating. Love it. Um, Saturday, December 11th and 12th is the Christmas festival in Bristol. Um, it's Saturday from 10 to 8 and Sunday from 12 to 6. It's in front of the Burnside building at 400 Hope Street. Um, there'll be car- carolers, um, wood carving demos photos with Santa, food trucks, vendors, um, you can wander around the European style huts and they'll be serving Hungarian goulash, which will be interesting to try. Um, I think that's also for purchase. And they'll be wreath decorating, ice sculpting, kids crafts, warm mold wine, which is delicious. And then much more. So that's again, the 11th and the 12th. Um, the fantastic umbrella factory in Charlestown, which is one of my favorite places to go Christmas shopping because there's just those cute little shops and you can support the local artists. Um, they're having their holiday stroll. It's Saturday, December 11th from 5 to 8. Um, they'll be, you know, the, all the pathways, if you haven't been there, they'll be all lit up. And there'll be sales, promotions, fire pits, refreshments, and, of course, all the local artists. And last time they had vendors along the side of the trails, too. So I'm assuming that will be the same this year. On December 10th, 11th, and 12th, you can head to North Situate for Christmas in the Village on the Festival of Trees at the North Situate Village. Festivities start at 5 p.m. on Friday, the 10th, with Santa, 
Rudolph and Frosty rides on Thomas the Train. Your little guy might like that one. So he's that age, right? Thomas the Train age. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the tree lighting ceremony, a wreath decorating contest, um, a farmer's market artist and crafts fair, music at the gazebo, strolling carol carolers. Um, you can stuff a police cruiser with toy donations as well. So think about bringing a toy donation to that. And um, there's trolleys rides all around to the shops, kids events and a lot more. So again, that's the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Um, and last but not least, Sunday, December 12th is the Westerly Light Parade in downtown Westerly at 6 p.m. I think it's only like 45 minutes long, so make sure you get there at 6. Um, or go earlier and have a cocktail and sit at one of the restaurants there and get a good view. But there'll be thousands of LED lights on display. Um, and again, stop in at one of the local restaurants. The shops will be open, so good reason to go to Westerly. Awesome. There's always a good reason to go to Westerly. Beautiful spot. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And for our listeners, check out riblogger.com. Find out what's going on. There's way more than five events on that website. It is chock full of things to do here in Rhode Island. Again, riblogger.com. Thanks so much, Jen. Thanks. Have a great week. You too. You bet. Awesome. We appreciate you being here with us today. We uh, want to say a thank you to Jennifer Jaber with riblogger.com. Matt Bates with Movement Mortgage, John LaPointe with LaPointe Insurance, Mike Auger with Patriot Home Inspections, and Andrew, our producer, Bill, our station manager, and uh, you, our listeners, for keeping this show on air every single week, sharing the latest in real estate with you. I'm Emilio Desperado, and you can reach me on my personal cell for any questions at all regarding real estate or any other people or places or services I can connect you with. Tap into my network, 401-359-2338. Again, write that down. Save it, 401-359-2338. I'm Amelia Desperado with Engel and Volker signing off. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you.